I am an occasional drug user, maybe doing drugs once every six months, and usually only ecstasy or acid. Because of my metabolism, I normally have to take two to three pills, which can get expensive, and I didn't have a lot of money on me. I went to this party where this guy had some crystal, which I had only done once or twice before, and I let myself be convinced to do it. At first, we started to smoke it, and I did about seven inhalations in about an hour or so. Not that bad. I felt really horny, really animated, and generally okay. And that's when I got stupid. My friend told me we should try booty bumps, which is where things got bad. He took about 12 to 14 small crystals and mixed it with some water, about 5 tablespoons, out of the crystal meth bong water, and then proceeded to fill up two regular-sized needleless syringes almost three-fourths of the way. I was then directed to take the syringe and put it up my butt and release the meth-infused water into it, which, stupidly, I did. This was at about 4am. All I wanted to do was try something new and to get some energy, which I heard meth was great for. If I had any idea of what was to come, I would have stopped myself. By about 10am I was starting to come down from the meth and went home from the party, still a bit in the la la everything is fine with the world shtick. I hung out with my roommate and took a 2 hour nap, thinking that the experience was over. However, at 4pm, almost 12 hours after the booty bump, all hell broke loose. At first, I could feel my heart starting to speed up, and by speed up, I mean to almost 160 beats per minute. Then, my ears started to ring really badly, and I started to see things with my eyes, mostly just color changes, almost like a small acid effect. Then my body started to heat up, and I started to sweat profusely through my hands and feet, like somebody had stuck them in ice for hours. My arms and legs also started to tingle pretty badly. At this point, I started to freak out, as nothing like this had ever happened to me, even worse, because I was alone. I went to the bathroom and took an ice-cold bath to try and get the fever under control. After about a half hour in the bath, I felt my fever break and called a friend of mine to come over and monitor me. Actually, I really wanted to go to the hospital, but he wouldn't let me go. Through this entire time, I'm trying my best to keep my heart rate down. I am drinking lots of water in the hopes of flushing it out and practicing meditation techniques to control my heart rate, which was only mildly effective. I was able to get it down to about 130 from 160. My normal heart rate is around 60. For the rest of the night, I had to be half carried to the bathroom and back, and every time I stood up, I almost blacked out. I would also see these yellow diamond kind of sparkles in my vision, and my ears were practically roaring. My heart also started to really pound, and I mean really pound, and it started to really heat up and get warm, which I count to all the blood and the speed at which it was beating at for so long. Needless to say, I was an unhappy camper. I kept begging my friend to take me to the hospital because I felt like I could be ODing, or at least borderline, per one of the meth websites, but he wouldn't take me. He was afraid, and rightly, that if I had gone, the police would have gotten involved and it would have been put on my record and I would lose the new job I just got, which is in the securities industry, stocks and bonds. As the night wore on, all I could do was lie down and drink lots of water, which was in addition to a lot of whimpering and praying. The entire time, I was afraid for my life and I was doing everything I could not to panic. I did not feel euphoric or horny or even filled with energy. I felt like my chest was going to explode. 
Also, my vision looked like someone had taken cotton and made everything fuzzy. It was really hard to see anything detailed. At around 10 p.m., by this time, my heart had been beating at around 139 to 140 beats per minute for almost six straight hours. I was able to put myself into a light trance and fall into a light sleep. I woke up throughout the night, but I seemed to be coming off it. The next morning, Monday morning, I had taken the meth Saturday night. I could stand and not black out or fall down and was able to take a shower and get dressed for work. Unfortunately, my pupils were still huge and my heart rate would start to race once I stood up and moved for any duration of time, so I ended up calling in sick. It's 2.30pm now, same day, and I'm still in bed drinking lots of water. I can move around some, but my heart will begin to speed up to about 120 if I do too much. My fingers are still tingling and my feet are still cold, though not quite as cold as they were. My vision is for the most part normal, though looking at the computer screen, every now and then it goes into 3D. My heart rate seems to be staying around 100 to 120 beats per minute, which is a hell of a lot better than 160. I've noticed when I take a nap and wake up, I'm almost normal, but the moment I start moving around, it speeds up. Even typing this is making my heart rate go up to 120. So, what does this mean to me? 1. If you're going to take meth, take it in small doses. 2. Have a monitor. 3. Know your body and know your limits. 4. When in doubt, go to the hospital. 5. Take long, deep breaths and count down from 10 to 1, using your heartbeat as the count. Do this repeatedly while telling your body and your heart to relax. And by repeatedly, I mean like every 2 minutes or so, if not more often. This helped, however small, to slow it down a bit. 6. Do not do booty bumps. The rectum is filled with millions of capillaries, and the drug goes almost right into the bloodstream. I don't know why it took so long to kick in, but I have a weird body anyway. 7. Check your pulse often, as this is a good indicator of any problems. If it gets too fast, lie down and relax, or go to the ER. And 8. Stay calm. Getting paranoid and freaking out, while understandable, just makes one's heart rate even faster. I think one of the only things that saved me was knowing how to meditate and slowing my heart down. Looking back at the experience, I have decided never to do meth or any drug ever again. I have a huge feeling that I could have died and that only by the grace of the gods I made it through. I decided to write this because I wanted others out there to know what to do if something like this happened to them and to warn them not to do booty bumps. Yeah, it's a great safe way of putting it in, but was not worth it. Be safe and be careful, and please remember, when in doubt, go to the ER. It's better to be alive and with a record than dead and with nothing. It makes me nauseous thinking of what I'm about to recount. I must do it, not only for my own sanity and healing, but for the sake of all who may tingle with the GH beast. What you are about to hear is all true, and not for the faint of heart. I have extensive experience with just about every well-known drug, and quite a few of the more obscure ones as well. I don't feel the need to list them all here. If you've heard of someone getting high on it, I've probably done it more than once, and at an extreme dose. That's just how I am, I suppose. I try to find the middle road, but it is so elusive. 
I am in very good health. I practice yoga regularly and meditation slightly less often. I eat whole, unprocessed, organic foods prepared at home most of the time and drink exclusively fresh mountain spring water. I have been blessed with near-perfect health my whole life and have no abnormalities to speak of, physically at least. Also, I am in a relationship with a beautiful woman that is nearing the two-year mark. She is about nine weeks pregnant. What I am recounting to you, she does not, nor will she ever know about. I couldn't bring myself to tell her. It would cause her unnecessary pain when I have more than learned my lesson already. Carrying this burden is a tremendous amount of pain, so I come here to express it in hopes of some relief. My drug use has been somewhat problematic throughout a relationship, but nothing out of the ordinary. Microdosing LSD a bit too often, smoking too much weed and being out of it, popping some pills and being moody afterwards, the usual fare. GHB took me on the ride of a lifetime. I did a ton of reading about it before deciding to try it and ordered a 65 milliliter bottle that was reported to be about one gram of GHB powder per 1.16 milliliters of solution. The solution came filled with glitter instead of blue food dye, I suppose, and tasted salty as fuck. At the time I got the G, I was, and am, without a home. It's a long story that I won't go into here, but believe it or not, this time, it actually isn't my fault. I thought it would be a great alcohol replacement, but the truth is, I felt way more fucked up on GHP than I ever did on alcohol. It's tricky, it somehow feels so lucid and euphoric that I didn't realize how truly out of control of my body I was. Anyway, it was a Sunday and I started dosing at about 6am when I arrived to my job selling products at a farmer's market. I am normally a little grumpy and it was great to start off the day in a fantastic sociable mood. I was sure to keep my dose very low, around 1-2 to two grams every couple hours or so. The last thing I wanted was to go into something resembling a coma in the middle of a workday. The day went wonderfully and anytime I felt myself coming down I just took a little more. This went on until I got off of work around 6pm. Later I decided to see what the G could really do. I went a little more heroic with my dosing on my way to a friend's house. Being homeless I had arranged with my friend to cook dinner for my pregnant girlfriend in her kitchen. I did drive, but fuck, it is dangerous and stupid. Moving on. When I arrived at her house around 7.30pm, I was thoroughly fucked up. I felt light, super giggly, extremely confident, uber relaxed, floaty, euphoric as all hell. I wanted to dance or fuck. I started to feel incredibly turned on. My friend, who was an older woman, had her friend over giving her a massage. They were about to leave to some festival and after they departed, I texted her saying we should all have a threesome. This is totally out of character for me and I don't know what possessed me to be so horny and ridiculous. It was seemingly uncontrollable. I kept dosing more and more and was so unbelievably euphoric that I put on music and was dancing all around as I cooked dinner. Side note, I had slept at this friend's house the night before and had taken the GHB then as well. I woke up the next day with oil burns all over my face that took me a while to realize I'd gotten them while cooking on GHB. I just wasn't able to feel them. Anyway, I digress. After dinner was prepared, I left to bring it to my girlfriend around 9.30pm. She unfortunately told me I was not allowed to come into her house that night because her mom was there, another long story, which pissed me off. I gave her the food and left without saying a word. While sitting in my car taking more G, an explosively powerful horniness swept over me and I knew I had to do whatever I could to get laid that night. 
I ended up on Craigslist, and when I could not find any women, I resorted to looking for men. This is again, completely out of character for me. I felt that I just needed something to fuck, and it didn't matter what. Well, there's tons of guys on that site, and I found one to meet up with. After sending a dick pic, we decided to get together, and I headed towards his place. Once I went inside, he started giving me a blowjob, and I just had to close my eyes and fantasize, and it was the greatest thing ever. The feeling of the sexual pleasure was magnified by a thousand from the GHB. They aren't joking when they say this is a prosexual drug. I will spare you all the details, but let's just say, I ended up letting him put his dick inside me, without protection. I told him not to come, and he didn't, but still, this is incredibly dangerous behavior that I have now stressed about ever since. HIV is a very difficult disease to transmit, and it's usually only with excessive sex that transmission does happen. But still, just the thought is enough to make me never do something like this again. I was out of my mind, but I felt like I was totally lucid the whole time. Honestly, looking back, it's like I was possessed. Anyway, I left that guy's house and went to stop at the gas station. I got some gas and was so fucked up that I was just standing next to my car almost losing consciousness every 20 to 30 seconds. My eyes would close and I'd start to go down, then all of a sudden I would snap out of it. It's like a much more twisted, totally unpleasant version of the nod on opiates. It was now about 12 a.m. Holy shit, I'd gotten up at 3 a.m. for work, running on less than four hours of sleep. Some lady came and asked me for money to buy cigarettes, which I took as a cue to start a conversation that I hoped would end in us hanging out and having sex. How ridiculous looking back on it. After her brother showed up and told me to scram, I got back in my car and still felt incredibly horny and listless. I got back on Craigslist and this time found a female prostitute. She told me her rate, something like $50 for half an hour, and I headed towards the hotel she was staying at about 10 minutes away. Jesus, I can't believe this even as I'm typing it. I got to her place and just to be careful in case I got robbed, I left my money in the car. I went up to her room and she let me in. She was an old, tweaked out looking, fat, cigarette smoking, gnarly ass chick. I was nauseated, but I couldn't be rude and just tell her I wanted to leave. Even though her breasts were incredibly worn out and saggy looking, some part of my mind still kept telling me that I could enjoy it somehow. I lay down on the bed and we chatted for a bit, or should I say, she would ask me some question, like what do I do for work or something, and I would struggle to utter even a single word as I was so incredibly incoherent. My brain was a big pile of mush, I couldn't form a thought to save my life, much less utter a sentence. Well, next thing I remember, I woke up in the middle of the hotel parking lot with an Indian guy who clearly runs the hotel and an intimidating white guy standing in the background. I stand up and they keep demanding I tell them where my room is. I just say I don't want trouble and I want to go home. He tells me if I don't give up my room number, he is going to call the cops. Something about how I was begging must have struck a chord with him because he told me he would give me 10 minutes to go back into my room or else he would call the police. I stumbled up the stairs in disbelief of what was happening. I had just been arrested a week ago and could not afford to have that happen again. And lo and behold, my car key and cell phone were sitting on the mat in front of the room I had been in. I grabbed them, went down the stairs, and sprinted out of the hotel parking lot to a nearby neighborhood. I hopped over the wall near some train tracks and lay down in the grass. Looking at my phone, it was now a little past 3 a.m. At this point, I had a very troubling side effect, uncontrollable twitching. It felt like what I imagine having Parkinson's disease feels like. 
After waiting 30 minutes or so, I jumped over the wall next to the hotel lot, where I fucked the landing and hit a very spiky tree, causing huge gashes in my back, ran to my car, got in, and got the fuck out of there. The Indian guy saw me for sure, and I was just praying he didn't have the police waiting somewhere to pull me over. I got on the freeway and went back to the place I sleep, and my work, as quickly as possible. I went inside, laid down, and felt the worst I felt in a long, long time. I didn't know I could feel like such a soulless piece of shit. I felt so oddly stimulated, but so incredibly tired. I managed to fall asleep and didn't feel too awful the next day, but holy shit, that is quite a few experiences crammed into one day, not to mention having to hide all that from my girlfriend. I feel so sorry to her for being such an idiot, but I try to have compassion for myself and just be the best, most faithful, loving man I can from this point on. If I were to ever do GHB again, it would be precisely measured and I would never, ever leave my home while doing it. I would make sure my partner knew exactly what I was doing and would have nobody else around. Be careful out there. Before I begin, I just want to explain to the reader that the don't try this at home caveat is not simply an obligatory disclaimer. What I did was a very bad idea and though I had a sitter, though I had taken all precautions necessary, just because you can survive a punch in the face doesn't mean it's fun. I started last week on Saturday. I had found the leaves in the woods behind my mom's house when I was looking for shrooms. I have found fly agaric there before. My mom confronted me when she saw me carrying them back to the car because she knew exactly what they were. I came up with a really shitty excuse that I was going to feed them to my neighbor's rabbit, which only made things worse because she knew what it would do. I threw them over the fence, then went back to get them before I left. I hadn't eaten that day, which I thought was a good idea, and I decided to dry the leaves with a hairdryer, which was a dumb idea. They just blew on the floor. If you haven't figured out yet, I'm not the brightest bulb in the shed. So I put them in the oven for a little while with the door open. I called my friend Deuce over. I will call him D from now on. When I told him what was going on, he told me he wasn't going to do it because he was the one who had to take care of me during a really bad salvia experience. Regardless, he did it, probably because he knew I was going to do it whether I had a sitter or not, and I need supervision at all times, sober or not. I ground them up with a coffee grinder, which I then threw away because my mom uses that grinder and I don't want her to trip out. She's uptight. Oh man, the stuff tastes like ass washed in ass. I was making gagging faces and the whole time D was rolling his eyes. I got it down in about 10 minutes, so we went in the living room to watch Gummo, our favorite flick. He started smoking a cigarette and I put in a wad of chaw to bide our time. About an hour into the movie, I started having trouble following what's going on. Gummo is a tough movie to follow anyway, but I started forgetting that I was even watching a movie. It was like I was constantly waking up and trying to figure out what happened while I was asleep, only to wake up again. Dee said I started clearing my throat a lot for some reason. I kept asking him if he'd change the channel, and then he'd tell me we were watching a movie, only to hear me ask the question again. This was the point that everything became darker. There was a low hum behind me, and every time I'd turn around to see what it was, it would stop. Dee started laughing and he told me that I was tripping, but I had trouble accepting this. I didn't really remember taking anything, and I felt like my mind was still working okay. 
It was just that everything around me was getting twisted. At this point, I lost track of time. I asked Dee what I should do because I was still tripping, because I thought I had to go to work in a few minutes. He reassured me that it was still Saturday, then he asked me how long the trip lasts. I told him the internet said three days, and then I realized how fucked I was. I had to work on Monday. He told me to call in sick, but at this point, I forgot what he was talking about. He said I got up and walked to the bathroom, turned on the shower, and started throwing the towels into the shower. I remember seeing myself going into the kitchen and sending a telegraph, but then as it started making grinding noises, it suddenly disappeared. D, being the film freak he is, ran into my room to get the camera. Unfortunately, for the next couple hours, I didn't really do anything exciting. Instead, I curled into a ball and rocked back and forth like a mental patient. I did have a classic quote though, under tapestry ho why, followed by a bunch of Mandarin, I'm bilingual. I remember right about here hearing this tup 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 noise from my chest. As I started concentrating on it, an image of yellow worms eating at my heart flashed across my face, and suddenly my chest hurt, a lot. I sort of wake up to Dee calming me. I'd started crying and telling me that I was fine. I reached into my pocket to get some chaw, then I was back into crazy world. I didn't know at the time, but Dee had taken my chaw away from me because I kept taking out some tobacco then putting it in my pocket. It was funny at the time, but he got worried I might start eating it. I was suddenly on my aunt's tree swing telling this girl A, my first girlfriend, that I didn't want to sing at her funeral. She begged me saying that I had played the guitar beautifully and besides, Jan hates me. Unless you're me, this doesn't make sense, but I think this was a very important vision for me. I started crying at this time, but it felt like my tears were burning my face. Dee said he started wondering if he should call a doctor because I was really flushed. It was also at this point he called into work sick for me, the first day I've missed in two years. I remember asking for A to come back, then I started wandering down a hallway looking for a doctor. This is where things get weird. I have a pet Burmese python named Mildred, and she started banging her head against the top of her cage like she was trying to get out. This is really weird for her because she's very docile. You could poke her in the eye and she wouldn't even hiss at you. I somewhat remember this, or maybe I think I do because it's on video. Dee started to get really tired, but he wasn't going to doze off because I guess I was still acting freaked out. I think this may have been the point where I thought I was in a wheelbarrow full of rats thinking it was my throne. Looking back, I realize this may have been a reference to my favorite song, Climbing Up the Walls by Radiohead. Who knows? The one thing I do remember from this part of the trip was that I thought I was in a dream. But even when I took control of it, I'm a lucid dreamer too. It would only get weirder and worse. One part of the dream was talking to my old baseball coach, who died in a snowmobile accident when I was 13, asking him how I get out of here. He started walking towards me, and suddenly I got scared, and even though I was saying this is just a dream, I couldn't get him to stop coming at me, and I couldn't move my legs. I started to scream, and then he looked like he was walking away. Dee said I never screamed during the first night. The second day wasn't any better. I was really thirsty, but when Dee would give me water, I would drink a little and get sick. He was also trying to get food in me, but I couldn't swallow. Just having food in my mouth made me feel dirty. I didn't feel nauseous, I just felt weird eating. When I did swallow, I felt like it was hurting my stomach. It was also at this point I felt like I couldn't breathe. 
This may have been true because Dee said I was sweating really bad and he said my pupils were really huge. A digital picture confirms this. I just remember praying to a god that I didn't believe in that it would end. I said I would quit drinking, tobacco, and pot. Some promise, I'm stoned now. I wanted out of this trip. I'd had bad trips before, but this one kept coming back in waves, worse than ever. The hallucination started to get stronger too. I could now smell things that weren't there and I could feel them too. I remember seeing a hound, not a dog, coming out from under my desk and brushing up against my leg. I could feel it, then suddenly it wasn't there. This was also when something started tugging at me. It felt like some force was pulling me backwards and if I turned around, it would still pull me from behind. Mind you, I wasn't really moving all that much, but I thought I was. Dee wasn't feeling too hot because he stayed up drinking coffee to watch over me. Gratitude does not begin to describe what I owe him, and he tried to get me to go for a walk with him. Every time he tried to pull me to my feet, he said I would stumble and fall to the floor. I would sit down really hard. I also started pushing on the floor too, and he said my jaw was locked really tight. This is the part of the trip that memory sort of fails me. I remember bits and pieces, like hearing sirens and pounding on the walls, and I remember watching my computer monitor fall over and burst into blue flames. I started to get hungry, but every time Dee brought me something, it would make me sick to see the sight of it. I found a silver dollar on my desk, and for some reason it made me laugh. I started playing with it, then all of a sudden it got heavy, so I tried to throw it back on my desk. It ended up landing like three feet away from me. My body wasn't listening to me very well. At this point, embarrassingly, is where I pissed myself too. Dee was worried, he said, not because he had to clean up a mess, but because he said I hadn't really drank much at all and I was pissing like a racehorse. I do remember him coming back to me with a bunch of paper towels, new shorts, and a big glass of water, but I also remember getting very scared. I asked him if he was writing this down and he looked at me really confused, which scared me more. This is where I tried to climb on my bed to get away from him. He was worried that I would get piss on my bed, so he grabbed me. Big mistake. I started freaking out, swinging my arms furiously. I remember doing this, and though it seems crazy now, at the time I thought I was truly in danger. I also remember that I thought it was still day, even though it was about 2 in the morning. D had somewhere around here, called his girlfriend to keep an eye on me, and he went to sleep on the couch. I remember waking up to find her cradling me, telling me that, they're gone, don't worry, you're fine. I don't know what she was talking about, I can only assume I was talking gibberish again. I didn't really feel comfortable with her holding me like that, even though she's a good friend, maybe because I don't remember her coming in, so I started pushing her away. She laughed. I knew I was coming back, coming back, not coming down, at this point because I started to feel really tired and hungry. The hallucinations were minor at this point. I may have simply been dozing off. I can't be sure. Tuesday was a disaster. I couldn't keep focused on anything at work, and I kept worrying that people would think I was stoned or hungover because I was stuttering my speech a little, and everyone was asking if I was feeling okay. Luckily, they thought I was still sick. I got absolutely nothing done. When I got home that night, I ate a huge dinner and passed out immediately. Wednesday was a little better. My brain seemed to be working okay, but it was at this point that I started to remember everything I saw when I was tripping, so I was still sort of distracted. 
It's now a week and a day later, and I still don't feel totally right. I don't think I'm ever going to do this again, and I wouldn't recommend it. I did gain a bit of insight from the experience, but I would rather have just taken shrooms or acid or something a little more manageable. It really sucked being stuck in a bad trip for three days. Definitely a thumbs down. It was a normal night in March 2005 when some guy I've only met once in my life offered me a trip for $5. Being one who enjoys his hallucinogens, I decided to give it a go. I was stationed in my best friend's apartment and had no immediate expectations but kept an open mind to the situational outcomes a trip may lead to. I sat that night on 240 milligrams of DXM, waiting for its effects while simply watching some TV. About an hour later, I started to notice that I felt a bit lightheaded. It was sort of a stone feeling. I decided it would be best at this point to head home. I drove back to my house safely and walked into my basement bedroom. I noticed then that I was feeling up in the clouds, better described as a floating type feeling, as if I were dropping down the top of a hill on a roller coaster. My thoughts lingered on the incredible possibilities of such a drug. All I was thinking about was finding out what it was I had consumed and to immediately procure more of it. The next night, I asked my best friend, who also happens to work at a pharmacy, what I was given. He said, It's just Robitussin in pill form. You got ripped off. You can get way more if you just go to the store and buy them. I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe that such a thing was sold in stores all over the world, and I didn't need to call ahead of time to pick it up. It seemed too good to be true, and thusly, I ran headlong into the best and worst year that I have ever experienced. As everything started, I was taking a meager 300 milligrams every night after work. I then came online to check up on the dangers I may face. After reading through the entire DXM FAQ several times, I thought I was going to be just fine. So I read about the plateaus that can be reached by using higher dosages. I took 600 milligrams one night in my friend's apartment and started to experience an otherworldly feeling that left me staring at things as I mildly hallucinated. My thoughts were sporadic, but I knew two things at that point. One, my friends are getting sick of me tripping around them. I was the only one I knew of who took it. And two, I had to get back home before I started tripping too hard. So I took off driving back to my house, which was, by the way, four minutes up the road, and pulled out of the apartment complex as it dawned on me that the road was either way too big or way too small. Being paranoid and unable to stay in one lane, I unknowingly pulled out right in front of a cop. As it dawned on me, it also dawned on him. I had no reason to be driving in that condition. I got pulled over and was terrified so badly, I just stopped driving and parked the car right in the middle of the two-lane street. He got out and told me to pull off to the side of the road. I didn't know before, but I know now. I could not speak at all. Nothing would come out. I was asked to step out of the car and almost fell over. I felt drunk, stoned, confused, and terrified all at once. He searched me, or more adequately put, asked what I had in my pocket. I plopped my first and favorite bowl into his hand along with a small bud of marijuana. He said to me, We can't do anything about the Robitussin in your car, but as of now, we're placing you under arrest for the possession of marijuana. I nodded and got compliantly into the car. As I sat in the car, I had no idea what was going on. 
It was like watching a movie with somebody else's eyes. Long story short, I got a one-year ACD, adjourned in contemplation of dismissal, and considered it a minor bump in the road. Looking back, it was like climbing one stair in comparison to the mountain of trouble I had yet to ascend. This arrest occurred on April 18th, 2005, one month after I discovered DXM. Moving to May 20th, 2005, things had been pretty constant. I continued dosing 600 milligrams at night since the arrest and had no problems. I just made sure to get home before I started tripping. On this day, however, I decided it was time to up the ante. I wanted to experience these higher plateaus, the third and more preferably the fourth and final plateau before death or a coma. So I got out of work that day and took 900 milligrams at two in the afternoon. I planned on going home and simply watching TV or playing some games. Instead, I went home and told my younger sister that I had never ingested such a high dose and that I felt extremely weird. She had tried it with me before and enjoyed it, but she was quite concerned when I informed her of what was going on around me. I remember coming into my mom's room and laying on her bed on my back before I told my sister, who was on the computer, of my dosage. I suddenly noticed the bed curling around me in a giant U-type curve. I told her this and stated that I was just going to sleep. I got up and walked down the hall into my sister's room and just passed out in her bed. I don't know why I didn't walk to my room, but I assume it had something to do with not wanting to walk down two flights of stairs. Plus her bed had this foamy thing on it, so it was more comfortable anyways. I dreamt of indescribable shaman-esque things. I was awoken to my mom asking me if I was okay. I told her I was just trying to sleep, but she claims my eyes were rolling into my head. I claimed that she was a dumbass for not remembering that waking any person, even one not using drugs, results in a droopy-eyed stupor. So she left and I went back to sleep. I then realized I had to pee. I went to the bathroom and stood there for a few minutes trying to force out my stubborn urine. For some reason, DXM makes urinating an incredibly challenging endeavor as it often involves standing up and stumbling to the bathroom. Once I get there, it just doesn't want to come out. As I stand there, someone knocks on the door. I state aloud that I am peeing, yet the door opens anyway. Before I can say, what the fuck, are you deaf? I realize it's a paramedic. I look out the window and see two cop cars and an ambulance. I'm no longer in a state of enlightened delirium. I'm now on a mission to maintain a precisely focused rage at anyone who dares to come near me. The paramedic says, you're coming with us. I blurt out with cocky attitude, no, I'm not. You're going to get the hell out of my house right now and I'm going to take a piss and go back to sleep. I am then informed that I will be taken out of the house whether they have to pull me out or not. Turns out I knew nothing about the drug I researched for hours and my mom thought I overdosed. I knew I took one third of that but it made no difference. I spent four days in the psych ward being treated like an animal. No big deal to me though. I knew now that 900 milligrams was all I'd ever need to take to go on a mind-blowing journey of epic proportions. Fast forward to November 28, 2005. I had moved up into the country with my dad after my mom threw me out because apparently I was bothering her tremendously as I sat quietly in my room. Living in the country now, I felt more at peace and closer to nature than ever before. I no longer use DXM just to get high. I now use it as a doorway for self-exploration and creative thought processing. I wrote poetry and had deep discussions with my friend from the apartment about universal theories. I felt very whole and confident with my mind and body. However, all was not as good as it seemed to me. 
I continued to use 900 milligrams daily up to this point, and I had not yet realized that my mindset makeover was starting to completely alienate me from every single person I held dear to me. Even my best friend was getting increasingly annoyed with my theories. I then got to this point where I was at all times in Plateau Sigma, otherwise known as being completely insane to any and all people that hear you speak what's on your mind. At this point, I was very likely to get in trouble. I had previously spent a night tripping with a friend who was very reluctant to try DXM in the first place. Instead of having a pleasant trip with him, I scared the shit out of him. I spent the night throwing all of the stuff at him that I wouldn't dare say to a sober person, ever. When he left that day, he ran to his truck as I was held back from going after him by my dad who was also scared and confused as to what the hell was going on. At that very moment, I totally lost my mind. I snapped. I ran around the yard screaming at the sky, Souls come unto me! At the exact second that last word came out, a siren went off far in the distance as if to signal a bomb strike or something. I could only think that I had finally figured out the secrets of the universe and the CIA was sending agents to silence me forever. I ran into the house and poured water all over my shirt and immediately ran back outside through the other door. I told my idle father to call the cops, there was some crazy shit that was about to happen. I then ripped off my shoes and socks and fell in the mud. I pulled my shirt off and started putting mud down my pants. I had fell completely into the grip of psychosis. I was the definition of insanity. I ran towards the first cop car that had responded to the call and swung a punch at him. I missed and got cuffed after I pushed him away. I was up against the cop car and my mind was racing so fast that not a single word could get through. I no longer had the ability to think, I could only act. I had no idea what was going on and screamed as loud as I could into the sky, just a long, shrieking, piercing, terrified, psychotic scream. As my father spoke to the cop, I knew what they were going to say before they could say it. I even started making up what I wanted them to say and they did. I then, without speaking, told the cop with my mind to uncuff me and I'm pretty sure he did. I told him I was the second coming of Christ and he had to obey me. I then got cuffed again and more emergency crew members arrived. I then warped the space-time continuum and simply dropped the cuffs from my wrists. I knew that I was to be taken away and had them put back on. The emergency response crews kept changing on my whim. Their entire bodies, faces, and personalities were created as I decided them to be. If I didn't like what I made, I would change them. They literally morphed in front of my eyes as if they were all agents from the Matrix or T-1000 from Terminator 2. Part of me to this day believes that not all of what I just wrote was a delusion. The research done on DXM is pathetic as we currently have no explanation for why the above events may have been possible. Hell, the whole premise of the Matrix films doesn't sound that unreasonable. So hopefully we figure out the rest of our brain's capabilities before we go extinct. Anyway, after that dilemma I spent 14 days in the psych ward. I was again given no human rights and treated like an animal. New Year's Eve 2005, put in the psych ward for 12 days after informing my friend not to slit her wrists. My stupid stepmom was blatantly eavesdropping and told crisis services I was trying to kill myself, again treated animalistically. I had been tripping every day after I got out of the psych ward prior to this visit, so I was still acting strange, but not suicidal. February 18th through the 20th, 2006, my father had become sick of the never-ending tripping and theorizing. I was put in a motel room paid for by him just to get me out of his house. Fine, I thought. 
I went out and got huge amounts of DXM from every store in the area. I was hanging out with an old friend and letting him use my car because I knew that was the only way he'd tolerate me. So I got him to trip with me and he ended up getting scared and paranoid. He got sick and had an overall bad time. I just kept tripping. On the last day I was there, I lost count of my dosage and ended up taking about 1400 milligrams after I'd been tripping for two months. In other words, I was again in a state of psychosis, only this time, it got bloody. I was blabbing on and on to a couple friends at the motel room about moving to LA tomorrow and being an actor. At this time, I'd been listening to Pink Floyd constantly and watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas every night. I idolized Johnny Depp for his role in the film and wanted to be like Hunter S. Thompson, the actual person Depp represented. Suddenly I decided it was time to rip out my uvula, that thing hanging in the back of your throat. I went into the bathroom and had no feeling at all in my entire body, so tugging at my uvula didn't gag me or bother me at all. I thought it had to be done. I started bleeding profusely from the back of my throat, and when my friends saw this, they took my keys and left. When I realized they were gone, I called my friend and told him to get back with my car immediately. He told me it broke down. I said that was bullshit and I want him back now. I then went to bed and awoke at 10 the next morning. My car was still gone and I wanted it back. I thought I was done tripping and I went to talk to the manager. Bad idea. Turns out, I was so fucked up I told him I was a demon. He called the cops on me. When they got there, the female officer said to me, Where is your ID? I said, It's in my room. I have some marijuana in my room. I am the devil. I am also God. Come do drugs with me, but don't tell the cops. They'll arrest you. Just take a moment to think about that statement. I actually said that with a straight face. I was dead serious, and I believed it. Let's just say I got maced, punched in the face six times, and ended up with charges involving possession of marijuana, resisting arrest, harassment in the second degree, obstruction of governmental administration, and a bonus treat. Someone in the room before me left a crack stem that I got charged with. I have never touched that shit in my life. Oh well, they didn't believe me. In jail that night, I managed to get maced again after flooding my cell with water by clogging the sink, punched in the lip twice for throwing a juice box at a cop's face, and punched in the head by some guy who was talking shit to me. He punched me after I smiled at him and told him he better warn his mother to lock her door because I know where she lives, which I didn't. I then spent two months in jail waiting to be told that I was going to spend three months in rehab. I completed the rehab and I now hope to be out of drug court as soon as possible. So the moral of the story is, don't be a goddamn dumbass. Trip on occasion, not every single day. Moderation is the key to avoid habitual use and consequences that include all of the above and more. I will soon realize that everyone I love now thinks I'm weird and I will go crazy at one point or another and I will have no control over myself during these periods. I'll start by saying I do not condone using unknown or untested substances. I was a depressed, stupid teenager at the time the story takes place. Take it as a cautionary tale because I learned firsthand that there are things even worse than death. I was 15 years old and in my sophomore year of high school, having gone through losing my mom and dealing with an awful home situation involving my dad and former stepmom, I ended up using substances as a way to escape. My friends introduced me to pot, then molly, then coke, etc. 
Although I was new to the world of drugs, I dove in head first. I had watched my mom battle a meth addiction and figured as long as I stayed away from that and heroin, I would be okay. I thought I knew my limits. One day in early spring of 2019, I found myself in a screaming match with my dad once again. It wasn't unusual. They had found weed in my room and told me I was going to end up just like my mother. In an act of teenage defiance, I slammed my door shut, crying my eyes out, and rifled through an old Altoid container that stored three ecstasy pills a friend had given me a few weeks prior. After staring at them hesitantly for a few moments, I dry swallowed all three in an animalistic manner. It wasn't a suicide attempt, more of an I don't care if I live or die decision, but very quickly I realized how stupid it had been. I had half an hour max before it kicked in and I had to get away from the house before it did. I hastily texted my best friend and filled him in on the situation I was in. He drove to pick me up after a heated debate with my dad and I hopped in his car. My other best friend, who I will call H, was there as well. Her presence made me uneasy because L, the original best friend, was known for sleeping around. This whole ordeal was already off to a bad start because I was 85% sure my best friend was sleeping with a guy I had been in love with for years, which put me in a horrible headspace. Whatever, I had bigger issues to worry about. Only a couple minutes into the car ride back to L's house, the pills kicked in. I originally felt a similar high to that of Molly, but quickly realized something was off. This was concerning because it was a school night and I did not want to be fucked up at school the next day. Once we arrived, I allowed the other two to take his room and I went and sat in the bathtub playing with the shower curtains. What felt like 10 minutes turned out to be two hours, two hours in which the two had been screwing while I slowly slipped into insanity. At this point, the shower curtain began talking to me. I talked back and married her, her being the shower curtain. It was so real to me. I cried, I laughed, and we bonded as I forgot all about what was happening in the next room. Then it all went black, and I came to once more standing in front of L and H, shaking with excitement, blabbering about a car ride. L told me that it was 4am and I told him that it didn't matter because there were aliens here. The two obliged my selfish request and took me on a short ride. I immediately felt that I was going to spill the contents of my stomach all over the car, so I begged them to return us back to L's residence. Once we got there I vomited and then lay in the cold, wet grass of his front yard. They gave me odd looks but left me out there. At this point, it was around 5am. As I gazed up into the sky, the real hallucinations began. Ferris wheels covered the sky, neon hues and radiant rays displaced the typical dark night. I was enamored and turned my head to see a small alien standing on the power line adjacent to the house. I felt no fear, just white hot energy as I tried to converse with it. It was a small gray creature with large black eyes, a tinier version of what you would typically see in a Hollywood movie. After what felt like 20 minutes of me talking to it and it not talking back, I realized the sun was rising. I ran into the house to avoid Elle's mother and told them that there was no way in hell I could go to school with them. My dad and stepmom tracked my phone, so I sent it with another friend, B, as he stopped by before school. He was the only one to show obvious concern because at this point I had somehow ended up with two black eyes and blood-soaked nails. I was shaking intensely and experiencing hot flashes and cold sweats. I had never felt this much energy, ever. 
After he left, I began lifting weights and doing jumping jacks in L's weight room. This was a poor choice considering the fact that my heart was already at around 150 beats per minute. Another hour passed and the dreaded call came. It was my stepmom screaming at me over L's phone asking me who I thought I was trying to trick her and my father. I knew I was screwed and I think this is what changed the trip into real insanity. She informed me that she was on her way to get me and I told her I'd rather die than get in the car with her. She told me I would be going with her or the cops so I told her to get the cops. As she arrived pounding on the door, I decided I needed to act natural so she wouldn't find out I was high. Elle let her in and I began washing his family's dishes with paper towels and soap, trying not to let the baby aliens and ants covering the walls and floors distract me. My stepmother was screaming and the hallucinations were completely blocking my vision. The events after this were told to me secondhand by either my father and stepmother or L and H. I apparently began eating the paper towels I was cleaning the dishes with and adamantly refused to get in my stepmother's car. I walked about a quarter mile down the road because I didn't want to have the cops at L's house. I didn't want them involved in the ordeal. The logic I used makes sense looking back on it. The cops arrived and immediately called EMS. They checked my vitals and informed me I was going into cardiac arrest. I remember this bit and I remember being tied down to a table in the ambulance, but that's it. Apparently, I told the EMS workers about every issue happening at home and that I wanted to die, etc. I told them I wanted to be burnt alive. When I came to again, finally aware of the fact that I was a human being, I was at a hospital tied down to the bed with an IV in my arm and a heart monitor beeping loudly. This whole bit is blurry, but I'll go over what I remember and then fill in the blanks with what my father told me. From my perspective, I awoke in the hospital. I didn't know why I was there, and the room kept morphing into different places. The staff were all laughing at me, talking badly about the crazy drug addict girl in my room. I felt bitter and scared, and suddenly I understood my mother and her struggles. I looked at the corner of the room and noticed a sink. I thought fly, and as soon as the idea came to me, the sink grew a cartoonish face and used its handles to fly away out of the room. I laughed at this. I remember asking to go to the bathroom a few times and having someone walk me there since I was connected to so many machines. I don't know how much time passed, but at some point my dad and stepmother came into the room. As I looked down at my dad's hands, I watched World War II happen on them in close-up, vivid detail. I don't mean just a moment of World War II, I mean I went back in time for four years and watched the entire war play out, or what my brain thought the war had been like. My dad snapped me out of it and I was shocked and confused as if I had just come out of a long coma. My stepmother was laughing and it made me upset, but I couldn't speak. I saw small tigers crawling up and down every corner of the room. Where one wall met another, tigers the size of lizards danced around. My hands were covered in blood and to this day I think it was real. My dad says he can't remember, but he does know I managed to rip most of my nails off, so it was likely real. I felt no pain though. This brought me much needed joy. I thought I had only been there for a few hours, but apparently it had been several days. From what the doctors and my father told me, I kept going in and out of a daze. I would stand up, point to the bathroom, and then wander in circles. I did this over and over again. The nurses hadn't been laughing at me, but my stepmother actually had. 
It was then decided that I would be going to the adolescent psych ward because of my earlier mentions of suicide to the paramedics. I have no recollection of this conversation or how I ended up in a moving vehicle. I didn't even know I was in a car. I thought I was being taken to a light show in order to cheer me up. I was later informed that I was transferred to the psych ward by the police, meaning I was in the back of a cop car, but I had no clue for months afterwards. While in the car, there was a light show, think like a rave, happening out of the windows. And in the back seat were several items of seemingly sentient clothing. A pair of gloves, pants, and a shirt kept pointing in different directions, trying to show me how to play the game. What this game was, I have no idea, but I kept messing with what I now assume to be the metal mesh separating me from the cops, asking them repeatedly, how do I play this game? I cackled maniacally and talked to the clothing until we got to the ward. Somehow, as soon as I was inside, I realized I had been taken to the ward. I had been to a similar ward once before, earlier that year due to a suicide attempt. They mistreated me. I had been sober the first time, so it did actually happen, and it left me with pretty severe PTSD. I became extremely combative once I knew they wanted to lock me up. I am an extremely docile person, so my father told me he was shocked to see me trying to get away from the staff with such vigor. I began to choke and struggled to breathe, presumably from a panic attack, and I squirmed on the floor, trying to get away from the nurses, clawing my way towards the door. I remember genuinely believing I was going to die. In that process, I broke my nose and busted my head open. I begged to call Elle's mom and apologize to her, as she was the only positive adult figure in my life at the time, and I was dealing with intense guilt for involving her family in the situation. My dad allowed me to, and after talking to her, they told me they would be taking me into the ward no matter how calm I appeared to be. Once again, I went absolutely feral and tried to get away. They caught me and gave me a shot in my ass, aka they booty juiced me, and I hung limp over the staff member's shoulders they brought me to my room at around 4 in the morning. I remember a few visuals before they put me in the bed and I passed out for good. As they brought me into my room, I remember seeing that the bedsheets were Disney princess themed and thought to myself, why are they fancy? Usually these sheets are flimsy and scratchy. They are a cheap, ugly, beige curtain-like material. I bet this ward will be a lot nicer. And then I was out like a light. So at a psych ward, you are expected to get up at around 7 in the morning and not return to your room throughout the day until lights out. If you do, your stay will be extended because they think you aren't improving. As I awoke to the nurses coming in to take my roommate and I's blood, I got up and went out into the common area where everyone else was. They told me that since I would gotten in so late, it was okay to sleep longer, but I said I was fine and refused to go back to my room in order to avoid staying longer. They served us French toast sticks as hard as rocks for breakfast. I couldn't even chew it, but everyone else seemed fine, so I figured it was just another side effect of the drugs. I choked it down. Why do you think I chose to do so? If you guessed to avoid staying longer, then you would be correct. Those money-hungry hogs will find any excuse to keep you there as long as possible. That entire day, I was basically blind. I couldn't read letters, they all blurred together. My eyes were so sensitive, it hurt. I remember trying so hard to fill out the worksheets they gave everyone when it was time for group therapy, but I genuinely couldn't read. Everyone's faces were covered in different bugs, grotesque images straight out of a horror movie. This didn't bother me much. I remember that I asked the staff if I was in drug-induced psychosis, and they said yes. 
I only remember doing this once, but apparently I asked about 30 times throughout the day. When it came time to call our families, I was disappointed to find that my father and stepmother went on a vacation out of state starting that day and refused to talk to me. After two days, I was basically back to normal besides a permanent state of mild dissociation. That wasn't the last mistake I made, but to this day, it's the worst. There's so much I didn't include because this post is already so long, but just know that what I lived through was a lifetime of hell. To this day, I don't know everything that was in those pills. I tested positive for large amounts of methamphetamine, but it was assumed that there were other substances present in those little demonic tablets. Don't be like me. Don't play with your sanity, because you will either live with the consequences for the rest of your life, or simply die. I bought seven packs of pearly gates and got home at about 6 p.m. They didn't say anything about chemical treatment, so I assumed they weren't. I poured the seeds out onto my carpet and counted them out. It turned out that I had roughly 400 seeds. I researched a little bit on the internet beforehand and read that about 100 was enough to trip. I wanted it to work and to have a strong enough effect, so I decided to eat all of them. I had a pepper grinder from my kitchen cabinet and grinded them up into a cup. I highly suggest using an electric coffee grinder or something because it took me at least 30 minutes to grind them all up. It was taking too long to grind and I was getting annoyed so I only used 300. It came out to be a mixture of yellowish brown powder along with small bits of black shell. I dumped it into a bowl of yogurt and mixed it up. Before I ate it, I took 6 ibuprofen in case I should experience pain or discomfort. From researching, I found out nausea is extremely common, but ibuprofen was all I had. I ate the mixture at 9.30pm. I was sitting in my room watching TV with my sister. My dad was asleep in his bedroom down the hall and my mom was sitting across the house in the family room watching TV. Now to let you know, my parents are well aware of my past drug use such as weed, alcohol, ecstasy, painkillers, and some others, so they are always getting on me about that. I was expecting the effects to take anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and 30 minutes to kick in. I was very wrong. Oh, and I didn't mention, this was my first experience with morning glory seeds and I haven't done any other hallucinogens. After an hour and 30 minutes, I was starting to get a bit agitated, very often turning to my sister and saying, ah, this is pissing me off, these things better kick in, and what a waste of money, these damn things aren't doing anything, I should grind up the rest and eat those too, which I didn't do, thankfully. I will say that during this time watching TV, my pupils dilated pretty large, of course, and I did feel pretty different. Despite being angry that nothing was happening, I was very happy and was finding everything to be very funny. I was laughing constantly and couldn't keep the smile off of my face. About two hours in, my sister left my room. A strong feeling of euphoria was building, getting stronger and stronger. I actually had a growing body high that felt very good, something like a combination of a small amount of MDMA and weed. At this point, my pupils were enormous, my eyes being almost completely black. I found myself thinking that I no longer cared about how the visuals never came. I was so happy that I would definitely eat these another time. I had a huge smile on my face that would not go away, and I felt as if I knew my chair personally. I kept getting up and moving about in my room, trying on different jackets and sweatshirts because they all felt so good to the touch and I loved them all. 
I felt very compelled to get up and talk to somebody, but talking to my mom would be a bad idea, I thought. In my room, I have one of those closets with sliding mirror doors across from my bed. I found that everything looked different in the mirror. The ceiling fan I have has these roundish, mesh-like cover type things that surround the light bulbs, and this casts weird shadows on my walls. When I would look at the shadow just on the wall, it looked normal, but when I looked in the mirror, it appeared as a slowly expanding mushroom cloud from a nuclear explosion, and then I thought it kind of looked like a slowly moving jellyfish. And yes, now was when the effects were kind of kicking in. The plaid curtains I have were having those breathing wavy effects, and so were the walls and shadows in the mirror. Now it's about three hours in. I shut off the lights with only my TV illuminating the room. I sit back down and look in the mirror and, whoa, my head was doing the breathing wavy thing. I found this to be extremely entertaining and humorous and sat making faces in the mirror for quite some time. With time, this effect grew much stronger. Everything started breathing. The furniture, the floor, the walls, and even the people on TV. Every once in a while, I would venture into the kitchen to fill a glass of water and maybe go to the bathroom to pee. I actually spoke to my mom several times without her noticing anything. It was kind of hard to walk because the kitchen was all moving about. Also, it was kind of hard to pee too. This grew with time. I got my CD player and started to listen to Infected Mushroom, Converting Vegetarians, The Other Side. I love their music. I kept laying on my bed in different positions and felt a very strong connection with my CD player. It looked very different in the various positions I sat. Now, after like 4 or 5 hours, the breathing effects were very strong along with subtle patterns on the walls and on my curtains, and I also had yellow plaid bed sheets which were very trippy. My sense of time was slowly fading and every minute was getting longer and longer. My body high felt very strange, sort of like I couldn't feel my body. I could feel my body, but I thought that I couldn't for some reason. My thoughts were racing and could not focus on anything or even think about one thing for at least 5 seconds, or so it seemed. I kept thinking that I wasn't breathing normally. I also would think my heart was beating too slow, then it was beating too fast, I couldn't tell. I would wipe my hand on my forehead because I thought that maybe I was moving much too quickly and I was sweating. I thought that I felt sweat on my hand but couldn't really see it. Then I thought I couldn't feel the sweat because I didn't see the sweat on my hand. Everything was much louder and I began to get slight auditory distortions. It was now around 2 to 2.30 in the morning and my mom would come and open my door every so often. I would hear her coming so I would try to pretend like I was sleeping and I would lay on my side and close my eyes. When I closed my eyes it looked like a never ending kaleidoscope tunnel that went into the distance forever and it was slowly turning with extremely detailed multicolored patterns along with odd images along the walls. I kept thinking I would forget to breathe and that I might stop breathing and die, so I would get worried and sit up. I would try to count the seconds and breathe at a normal pace, but this was impossible because I couldn't tell how long a second was. This happened over and over, also I would put my hand to my chest to feel my heartbeat. It was very faint and I couldn't tell if it was beating at a normal speed or not. I now know it always feels faint, but during this time I thought this was a bad thing. My mom would open my door and see me sitting up on my bed. She would say, Why are you still up? I would respond, I don't know, or I'm watching TV, or I'm going to sleep. I could barely talk because my mind was racing so fast and was so cluttered with thoughts. 
Now, I don't know if it's because I was afraid of my mom knowing I was on drugs or because I was so paranoid about the time slowing and my breathing, but from that point on, I began to have a bad trip. I can't remember exactly when it started, but it was at least five hours in. I would be watching TV and the auditory and visual hallucinations were pretty intense. When the people on TV would speak, I would hear them saying things they weren't really saying, complete sentences accompanied by mouth movements. Everything that was going on on TV would suddenly change into something else and I would hear people saying very frightening things like, now there's nothing you can do to escape this, and that always made me wonder about terrifying situations, and this is very strange, but they are trying to kill us. I can't remember everything that I heard because I would hear something different and see something different every few seconds, but it was always something scary and full of contempt and worry. The room someone was in would start shaking and flashing, and they would begin screaming and shouting scary things, and I would get very frightened and change the channel. It would go okay for a few seconds and then slowly melt into scary, and I felt constant extreme anxiety and fear. People's faces were changing into other people's faces. Time was moving so incredibly slow, each minute felt like 15 minutes. I would change the channel every few seconds and then shut the volume off, but then I would have to go turn it back on, and then I would get a drink of water, and then I would chew a piece of gum and then spit it out, and then get another piece, and I would keep repeating these things over and over within minutes. I could no longer stay in my room, and I felt like I had to go get help and talk to somebody. I wanted to talk to my mom, but I knew that was not a possibility. I kept thinking she was on my side, but at the same time she hated me and wanted me dead. I would go into the kitchen, fill a glass of water, take a pee in the bathroom, and go back into my room, only to have the anxiety build again. Even words and numbers on the screen started to change into words and numbers they weren't. The Tonight Show with Jay Leno would read, The Hearing Disorder, and then something else every few seconds. I would flip to a paid programming show, and then it felt like everything was repeating over and over. A woman would be speaking, and you can have this house for as little as absolutely free. So you are saying it's only $767? Yes, absolutely free, but don't do what I think. Say what I do and walk 10 miles in tournaments, swishing ferociously throughout timeless canyons until you slip and fall to your death. Moments like this can be very terrifying. I don't think this will end anytime soon. I felt like my subconscious was being projected onto the world around me. If I thought that I wanted this to stop, it would just get worse. One tiny thought about anything would result in an extreme mood swing or something happening on TV. I wasn't just having visual and auditory tracers, but tracers of entire moments. I would see and hear the same thing happening over and over and things kept looping. Not the same thing right after another, but a series of actions that I would do and a series of things I would see and hear. Not only on my TV, but in my house in general. I would open the guide on TV and would scroll down the channels. It would go from the hundreds down to the 200s, then 300s, and when I would expect to see the 400s, it would loop and begin back at the 100s. Also with the paid programming, I kept seeing the same numbers in place of numbers that should be different. 767, 767, 767, and then 542, 542, 542, in place of every number on the screen, and it would change over and over. My body high had escalated to a very strange feeling where I felt like I couldn't feel my own body. I felt within my body, yet displaced from it at the same time. When I would feel a chewed piece of gum out of my mouth, it felt as if it was melting in my hands. I ended up chewing about 20 pieces of gum within 30 minutes. 
With all of these things going on, I knew that this was not possible because objects in my house and writing on paper and knickknacks and such were not distorted or changing. Only what was on displays such as TVs, my alarm clock, and my phone. The visuals escalated to seeing colored geometric patterns floating through the air and moving patterns on furniture and the floor and the walls, and then it got real strong. I would look down at my remote in my hand, with my plaid bedsheets below it, and it would get blurry and then appear two-dimensional sort of. Hard to explain, but it looked 3D and 2D at the same time. Every few seconds, things would change the way they looked, like 2D-ish to the edges looking wavy and then solid lines, and then cartoon-like, as in the people on TV. Since I was hearing and seeing the same things, the same moments in time occur over and over on TV. Time now going so slow that I thought my clock had broken. Either that or I was dead because earlier I had stopped breathing and I was now experiencing death. The entire time my thoughts felt as if they were all swirling within each other, all connected as one, yet separating as they moved and passed through time. Time was no longer real. I thought that the entire universe that I had seen and felt throughout my whole life was an illusion created by God, and that I was the only soul and true mind, and that I had failed the test of life and was now sentenced to live through this fear and anxiety for the rest of eternity. At this point, I had spoken to my mom several more times, with her coming into my room when I had the light on and was just standing there, or when I was on my phone not talking to anyone, just trying to read the time. She took my phone and yelled at me, saying, It's for something in the fucking morning! Why are you still up and why are you on your phone? Go to sleep! Every time I would get frightened of my room, I would go into the kitchen, and she was growing extremely suspicious. It turned out I was getting a glass of water and peeing every five minutes, which felt like hours. Now thinking, or rather, knowing that I was dead and the world had come to an end and all time had stopped, I felt like I had to go about doing things to see if I can get this all to stop or if I was really dead. I was pretty sure I was at this point, but I wasn't positive. My mom kept accusing me, what the fuck are you on? And I would say, I'm not on anything. She was very angry at this point and she looked completely normal, no distortions or breathing of her face or anything. I only got this incredible sense of a very negative energy coming from her, as if she was trying to harm me in some way. She kept following me around the house because I would try to just walk away from her because I was scared. She kept saying, where are you going? And I would respond several different ways. I don't know, nowhere, I'm going to bed. But you're wandering around the house, how fucking high are you? Since I thought I was dead, I didn't know what to say. So I just kept saying weird random responses just to get her to stop following me but nothing would work. I ended up telling her I had eaten morning glory seeds. She went into my room and started searching for it. She found the Ziploc bag with the other 100 under my bed. Eventually, my dad woke up and came out from all the yelling. He started yelling at me too. What the fuck are you doing? Your pupils are the size of fucking flying saucers. He found out what I had done and looked it up on the internet. While I was standing in my room with my mom, I ended up puking on the carpet. I did not feel nauseous this entire time, never felt sick or cramps or anything. Not even when I threw up did I feel like I had to. Right after I puked, the intense feelings and visual effects went away a little bit. Instead of feeling sick, I had a weird feeling in my head, like my brain felt weird. I can't explain it, but it was the strangest body high that I've ever felt. My dad came into my room and told me how those things have pesticides on them and can make you a vegetable or give you permanent brain damage. They were asking if they needed to take me to the hospital and I said no. 
From then on out, I just sat on my bed for several hours with the thoughts that I was going to be taken to a hospital and the doctors were going to do tests on me or torture me or kill me in some way. I was feeling very strange and also had the constant thought that I now had permanent brain damage and I pictured myself as a vegetable. The words permanent brain damage kept repeating over and over in my head. I tried reading simple sentences and could not, and could not do simple math or make sense of anything. I really thought that I had permanent brain damage. It was then about 6.30 in the morning when I finally fell asleep. Also, to add some things that I didn't mention from earlier, when I saw my dog in my backyard through the window, she looked like a monster. When my mom took my phone and then shut off my TV, and then started to take things out of my room to search it, I had this feeling that this would keep happening over and over until all the people in the world came into my house and would take things one by one until the whole world was picked apart and nothing was left. I kept thinking thoughts of death and torture and I thought at one point I should leave out the front door and walk about the earth and just see what happened, but I didn't. I felt as if everyone was against me because they were no longer other human beings. They were now just figments of my imagination that I had created over time that were here to follow me around and bother me for the rest of eternity. There were a lot more thoughts and other visuals that I cannot remember or even explain. It was the single most frightening thing I had ever experienced in my life. I woke up the next day feeling okay. I was kinda stupid, but to my relief, not permanently brain damaged. The weird feelings wore off the day after. I got grounded and I told my parents what I experienced and they ended up feeling bad for me. I had pretty bad constipation for a month following the day I ate them. I had to keep taking laxatives. I kept getting bad pains in my intestines, but I'm okay now. When I did this, I was in a perfectly good mindset. I was very optimistic. There weren't any problems I was having. I suppose it was my mom that triggered thoughts deep within my consciousness, thoughts of regret about things I had done in the past. At the time, I was very over these things and none of it was a very big deal and was not troubling me whatsoever. But anyways, yeah, in the future I wish to try LSD and shrooms and stuff like that, but I think I'll do ecstasy while doing it so I don't have a bad trip.